0: All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this privilege of gathering together as family in the unity of the faith, a faith that you've provided, Father, a faith that you knew about from eternity past, something we'd all be able to enjoy together. We would be able to encourage each other by each of our faith. Father, we are complimentary in that way courtesy of your grace thank you for comforting us in times of difficulty your comfort is truly abundant and it overflows through us into the lives of others thank you for that privilege as well father thank you for returning to us individuals of the congregation that have been sick and unable to be here we're so grateful and so thankful to see their precious faces we pray for those that are still lost father that before it's too late that you humble them, you bring them to their knees. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make a morning like this a reality for all of us. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, part 31 of The Deceitfulness of Sin. Uh, we finished up a wonderfully placed series on Sin Deceives Us Away from Gratitude for Our Healer, Deliverer. Uh, that was uh, the three part series that Scott Grande taught uh, in my absence when I was on vacation. Again, all about gratitude. And I really enjoyed what the Spirit had to say on the topic, or this topic of gratitude. Uh, For many reasons. And on that note, um, in terms of gratitude, I really do hope all of you have already read this week's blog, which is titled, Assurance of Salvation is by Grace through Faith. Assurance of Salvation is by Grace through Faith. If you want to be grateful for anything, well, there's a whole lot of scripture in that blog that'll give you um, a whole lot of reasons to be grateful. (coughs) Blogs like that and messages like this one, they're genuine reminders of all that we ought to remain focused on throughout our lives. There's just so many distractions. Um, Most of you have worked at one point or another if you're not taking care of the family at home with all the distractions there. Um, it's easy to lose sight of the simple things, the things just to be grateful for. You know, you're alive. You're breathing. Uh, most of you look like you ate. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, God really does promise, live up to his promises. He says he will take care of all of your needs. We have an awful lot to be grateful for. The greatest need we ever had was to be saved. And he saved us and he wants you to be sure of that salvation. I know that I stand behind this pulpit and I rattle the cage. And that's a very good thing. Because I don't want anyone to be professors alone. I want all of you to be truly saved and to have that sense of assurance that comes by grace through faith. And that was the reason for that blog. I hope you read it. I really do. You've got to read it. Um, don't miss this one. But that's not the only place where this message is coming from. It's been coming from this pulpit as well. Genuine reminders of all that we ought to remain focused on through our lives. That one simple, unerring fact about a believer in Christ is more than enough, abundant to be precise, as a cause for gratitude, that you've been saved and that you know it. And I'm not talking about the doubts you have. We've all had doubts. Everyone in here has had doubts, even about salvation proper. But you know what's beautiful about that when that happens to a believer? You get reaffirmed. He never walks away and says, wouldn't you like to know? God's not a God of confusion. He's not going to save you and then make you wonder. He's just not like that. Go to 1 Peter uh, 1.1. Speaking of things to be grateful for, very powerful passage. I'm going to read through the entire chapter with you just so you can see what the Spirit's trying to say first off this morning. Wonderful good news. The reason why we call it good news. 1 Peter 1.1 Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens. Now remember, just for the sake of context overall, Peter's the one who denied even knowing Christ. Three times. (laughs) And here he is writing this. So just keep that in perspective. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, uh, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again to a living hope. That means something we get to live in, abide in, rest in. You choose, up here on the board, born again to a living hope. By grace through faith, believers enjoy an abiding knowledge of their eternal life being a reality. That being a child of God means absolute salvation and guaranteed sanctification. Again, God's not a God of confusion. If He says He's going to complete a good work in you, you know what? He's gonna do that thing. If He says He saved you, you know what? You're gonna know it because His Spirit's going to affirm that faith in you. And you know what? He's gonna increase that faith by putting you to the test He's gonna knock you down. He's gonna let you struggle even with certain doubts and say, you see how you got beyond that doubt? You see where you are right now today? You see before when you had all those doubts and here you are today in a class like this, being encouraged, being lifted up. That's all part of sanctification proper. That's working out. I'm gonna push you back a little bit. I'm gonna let you stumble. I'm gonna make you suffer. It's all part of the strength training. So that the, as he said in 1 Peter 1, 1.7, the proof of your faith will be part of your deliverance. So that the proof of your faith really rises up to the occasion and assures you. Because isn't that what living hope is all about? That you have a certain assurance of your salvation? That you have a certain assurance of your eternal life in Christ Jesus? Imagine not having that sense of Assurance. Imagine having to wait until the day you die to find out, did I make it? Imagine that. What kind of hope is that? That stuff is being taught, my friends, behind Christian pulpits. That God doesn't have to assure you of your faith. That God would leave you dangling in the wind. We are born again to a living hope. By grace through faith, believers enjoy an abiding knowledge of their eternal life being a reality, that being a child of God means absolute salvation and guaranteed sanctification. Guaranteed. Either that or God's a liar. Psalm 43.5, 5, one, forty-six, five. Romans 15.4, thirteen 2 Thessalonians 2 16 and 17. We'll get to those after. For now, let's keep going. Verse 4 To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, you have a great hope. You have a living hope. And you know what? It's by the hand of God, the omnipotence, the power of God, that you'll never lose it. Even if you kick against it, you cannot lose it. Even if you doubt it for a time, you cannot lose your salvation. And God wants you to know that. God wants you to settle down. We're all amped up all the time, aren't we? Americans, we're really good at it. If we're not amped up enough, all we have to do is go to the store and get a monster or a rock star or a Red Bull, drink a few of those things get jazzed up and amped up artificially. We don't need any of that stuff. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. You know, rejoice, joy. Joy being the root word. For a joy set before you, you carry your own cross. For a joy set before Christ, He carried His cross. In this thing, in this great hope, you rejoice. You Imagine if life as a believer was minus that joy. Where would your hope be? What would you rejoice in? The fact that your dog had puppies and now you got a bunch of little ones running around? What are you going to rejoice in? You had a kid? It's not, I'm not saying you don't rejoice in these things. But is that what eternal hope is based on? No. This living hope is based on eternal life. In this you greatly rejoice, even though... Now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, God is glorified when your faith stands up, when your saving faith stands the test and though you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now but believe in him you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory why all that because you're assured of your salvation obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls any questions As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds. We're going to get to that maybe by the end of today. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. In other words, do not be intoxicated in any way, shape, or form. That is dissipation. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children this came out in the blog it's going to come out again this morning i think as obedient children one, the hallmark if you would of a saved individual some form of obedience as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were in which were yours in your ignorance but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, "...inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as, a, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God." not in your puppies, not in your children, not in your job, not in your home life, not in blah, 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 blah. By the power of God, your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall off. But the word of God of the Lord endures forever. This is the word which was preached to you. Again, the point on the board we are born again to a living hope. By grace through faith, believers enjoy an abiding knowledge of their eternal life being a reality, that being a child of God means absolute salvation and guaranteed sanctification. As I've taught you for years now on the topic of your salvation, if you have any doubts, those doubts are not from God. If you have doubts, they are not from God because God is not a God of confusion. Believers still suffer with doubt Because the human flesh is a master at casting it over our souls. It's a master. May we be encouraged by Holy Scripture. Go to Psalm 43, 5. Psalm 43.5. I mean, look at look at Adam and the woman in the the garden. They had a perfect environment and they doubted enough of God to fall. (laughs) They doubted his promises enough to fall. And they were in perfect environment. Anybody want to say they're there? Today? No. Psalm 43.5 May maybe we be encouraged by Holy Scripture. Psalm 43.5 Why are you in despair, O my soul? It's a good question we can ask ourselves, right? What, why am I so miserable? Why do I find myself despairing sometimes? Why am I anxious? Why am I this? Why am I down? Why am I depressed? Why am I so moody? Oh, that's a question, almost a rhetorical one here. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why aren't you disturbed, or why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, the help of my countenance, and my God. It's just another way of Peter saying, you know, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Same guy that just wrote what we just read. Just New Testament, Old Testament, it's all the same. More encouragement, go to Psalm 146, verse 5. Psalm 146, verse 5. That is precisely why I put probably, I would never check because there's hundreds and hundreds of blogs now, but that might be the most number of scriptural references I put in any blog, like ever. And I didn't spell it all out. So my encouragement has been, do yourself a favor and look up every scripture. Let the word of God wash over you. Let it wash over you. Psalm 146.5. How blessed, and when it washes over you, it washes away the doubts. Okay, that's the point. 146.5. How blessed is he whose help is, in, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That person is blessed, of course. Again, up here on the board, born again to a living hope. By grace, through faith, believers enjoy an abiding knowledge of their eternal life being a reality. That being a child of God means absolute salvation and guaranteed sanctification. Let's go to our next verse. Go to Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. I love this. If you have ever have any doubt about uh, there being more than one gospel, which is heresy, uh, all you have to do is read Romans. Romans fifteen four. For whatever was written in earlier times, what do you think Paul's talking about there? The Old Testament. Okay, whatever was written in earlier times. There's your connective tissue. Everybody wants to take Romans out of context and say, you see, this is the gospel of Paul. Oh, this is the Pauline gospel. That is garbage. If you hear that, run for the hills. That is complete garbage. There's one gospel. Say it with me. How many? One, One, that's it. God is not a God of confusion. Paul's saying it right here. Look, Look, he's saying, look, whatever was written before. Yeah, that's the same for us was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Peter alluded to those, the forefathers, if you would, of the faith who looked into Old Testament scripture. A lot of people don't know this, but the first 100 to 150 years of the early church, most people didn't even have access to the New Testament because it wasn't translated yet. All they had was the Old Testament. And that was fine in verbal word of Lord Jesus Christ. And that was fine. And it, you know what? It was sufficient. <laughs> this is what Paul's saying. Whatever was written earlier, it was for us, it was for our building up, it was for our edification. We don't throw out the Old Testament. I once heard someone say, I don't even know how the heck I would believe in the New Testament. If I didn't have the Old Testament, how do you believe in the new if you don't have the old? And if they're disjoint, and one's not without the other, and this kind of a garbage argument, um, what kind of hope do, what does that do to your hope? How about Romans 15:13? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How about 2 Thessalonians 2.16? 2 Thessalonians 2.16. It's almost incredible to me that someone would ever suppose that my God, my Father, the one who I'm adopted child of, the one who I can cry out Abba Father to, would ever say to me, yeah, you're going to have to wait to find out if you're mine until the day you die. That's not my God. That's not your God. That's another God. That's a cruel God. That's a God that doesn't love his children very much. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 That's a God that likes to sow confusion and doubt. That's not my God. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God and fa- our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Do you see it all there? Do you see what, what is he saying? It's that, it's that plain. Now may the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Amen? Yeah. Any questions? We're born again to a living hope. Again, by grace through faith, believers enjoy an abiding knowledge of their eternal life being a reality That being a child of God means absolute salvation and guaranteed sanctification. Now, here's the thing. Sin does not want you to embrace what the Spirit's sowing inside of you right now. Satan in the kingdom of darkness hate that you have any hope at all as a result of God's grace. Now, some of you have a greater hope because you have more faith. You, you've been tested more. You're stronger. If you were to look at the physical analog, some of you are muscle-bound. Lois don't look like much, but she's jacked. You know what I'm saying? If Bill were here, he'd say, that ain't the only way she's jacked. She outworked me all the time in the garden. Let's go, Bill! Bill be on the tractor. You know, it was iced tea. <laughs> she's not the only one. I know I pick on poor Lois, but she's not the only one just means you're stronger. But everybody, if you're saved, has something. Has a little thing called saving faith. And along with that comes a whole host of things, a whole host of assurances. Why? Because the holy God of the universe really does, newsflash, want you to know that you're his. What kind of father doesn't want his kid to know that they're his? Sin does not want you to embrace these things. Satan in the kingdom of darkness hate that you have any hope at all as a result of God's grace, certainly not a living, abiding one. This series poses a real problem for our enemies, you see. In fact, we might even say that such truth is from the Word of God and it is what ultimately debilitates sin's stronghold in our lives. Knowing these things debilitates sin's stronghold in our lives. And so all we have to do, really, is this right here. Remain humble, because humility remains open to truth. You see, not everybody in this world that calls themselves a Christian believes what you do. Shocker, right? Not everybody has seen the truth the way you have. Some of you really did, I'm thinking back, I don't know, five, six years, I don't know, four, five, six years ago, some of you kicked me in the ribs and said, are you insane, mister? What is it you're trying to teach me now? And those same people uh, can't do enough to say thank you for standing up for the truth when it wasn't popular, especially in my own soul. I'm sorry about those scars. <laughs> Did the bruises heal yet? <laughs> Humility remains open to truth. Our job is to resist closing the shades on the light of truth. You know when you, nope, you close the shades. Nope, light's coming in, light starts beaming in. You look down, you see all the warts and the sores, and you're like, oh, nope, I don't want to see that stuff. Let's close the shades, honey, hurry up, grab the other side humility opens them up says shine on me show me my way see if there's show me if there's any hurt in me show me how i'm hurting myself why am i so damn depressed why am i hurting myself why do why am i in this dysfunction junction why do i keep cycling back what is it is it remnants of an old religion or something Is it remnants of things that I thought were going to be true and I'm figuring out that they're really not? Am I having to give up on my self-life finally? Is that what's bothering me? Do I have to give up all hope in the self-life for eternal hope in Christ Jesus? Is there some kind of a dichotomy here? Is there some kind of a yin and a yang or some kind of tug of war going on in my soul? Is that what's going on? Show me the light. This may hurt, but let's do this thing. That's humility. It remains open to truth. And our job is to resist closing the shades on it. Go to Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10. So apparently God the Holy Spirit has seen it righteous to give a lot of you, at least this, this congregation, a lot of encouragement as of late. We've taken quite a beating uh, over the past few months. Some of you are like, a few months? How about a few years? How about, you've been beating on us for years, man. <laughs> we'll shape up. <laughs> then I can teach some fun stuff again. You know, this is hard. Oh, man. Ephesians 6.10. Finally. Who said not, Pastor Ed? Who's saying, it? be strong? Any questions? Be strong. How that, however that hits your soul, that's between you and the Lord. But all I know is that's what Holy Scripture says. It doesn't say be weak. It says be strong. How? In the Lord. Because in your weakness, you're the strongest, to borrow from Paul elsewhere. When you're weak, you're strong. When the flesh goes down, the new creature is built up. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able. You are not able on your own. That's the whole point. That's why some of you are so damn depressed. Because you still go back to your old ways, your old religious ways. You still think that you can deliver yourself. You still put all that exertion, just just, a little harder. It's like like you're choking yourself out. That's how you go to bed at night. Every night you choke yourself out. Some of you add a little bit of vino on the way in. You know what I'm saying? No sleepy sauce. Nobody? (laughs) Just because I live in a cave doesn't mean I don't know the truth. Put Put on the full armor of God so that you will what? Be able. You know why? Because otherwise you're not able. You're not able. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up again the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Oh, that must be another gospel pastor, huh? Oh, that makes three, I guess. Can we stop being stupid? Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray, how often? At all times. How? In the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition, you know, for others, for all the saints. Don't just pray selfishly. Pray for others. Again, the point on the board, humility remains open to truth. Our job is to resist closing the shades on the light of truth. You just heard before class, what did did Gene get all excited about back there? The prayers are working. Right? Gene, I don't know if I've seen you that excited in a while. (laughs) They're working. They worked. Isn't Isn't that what we just read in Holy Scripture? Is now, that now we just, this is literally, this, you know, there's a thing called practicality in the spiritual life. And right? nobody wants to talk about it because God forbid they call you a legalist. Go read James. Then you can come talk to me. Yeah, pray. Pray without ceasing. Sound familiar? Let's look at the second reference here. Recall what Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.18. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Go to James 4.3. James 4, verse 3. And when I was referencing James earlier, I meant James 2. James 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive. Why? Why? Because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Why do you want to be relieved? I don't know for sure, but I'd be willing to bet that Art Morton back there wanted to be healed so he could come back to church. As one thing, at least, to be with you all. I can't believe that, but... (laughs) Hey, don't try to butter him up, Art, you know. You know what I'm saying? You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, you pray selfishly. You pray not in the spirit, you pray in the flesh. That's what he's saying. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. The flesh always has the wrong motives. The flesh always has self-serving motives. Take this pain away from me so I can go back and keep doing that thing that I do in dysfunction junction. Dear Lord, please take away this pain so that I can go do that thing more. You know, the thing you don't want me to do anyways? Just take away this pain and then I'll know that you love me and eventually I'll come around. No. No, I'm going to have to let you sit on this, this egg for a little while. Till it hatches a little goodness. Because you never learn your lesson. And every time the ball guy says, read your Bible, you don't listen. Read the blogs, you don't listen. Come to class, or if you can't, pick them up. You don't listen. Your motives are bad. What are your motives all about? You want to preserve the self-life? And you pray to God for Him to preserve that thing, that ugly thing that you've been dragging around? since birth? Or do you want Him to deliver you from all of that? And in a living, abiding hope, set your eyes on the things above. and Leave all that stuff behind, you know, like Jesus would say. And pick up your cross and bear it. Carry it for a joy set before you. Those are hefty questions, aren't they? No, they really are. But that's the... The, the meat and potatoes, if you would, of what the Spirit's been saying for a, a while now from this pulpit. I call it brass tacks, getting down to the, the root of the issue. Um, you can call it whatever you want, but you need to check your motivation. And I'm not trying to crush anyone here. I really am not. I'm not trying to say, what, you know, what's wrong with you people? Check your motivation. Attitude adjustment. It's I feel, I feel sad about it. I feel very badly about it, that anyone suffers at their own hand. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, verse 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the who? The humble. I'm going to show you a little pattern here. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist, you see? Submit means to go towards something. Resist means to go away from something. In other words, you see the the complete vector here being set. Leave that thing, come towards me. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So James 4.7, what we have is the reverse pattern of salvation and deliverance. I'm not just talking about salvation proper, I'm talking about even your salvation as a believer. Your deliverance as a believer. James 4.7 is the reverse pattern of, uh, excuse me, yeah, James 4.7 is a pattern of salvation and deliverance. Let me put it that way. But what we have is a reverse pattern with the flesh. With salvation and deliverance, we, we resist the devil, we submit to God. With salvation and deliverance, we submit to God, we resist the devil. But in the flesh, it's just the opposite. We... Resist God and submit to the devil. James 4, seven. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In fact, James continues on adding more color, let's call it, to the pattern of righteousness in view. Verse 8 Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what it means to resist. Draw near to him. That's what it looks like to submit. That's the practical side. There's a practical side of submission. Draw near to him. Cleanse your hands. Get rid of all the old filth, if you would, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because when you're double-minded, your motivation suffers. And when your motivation suffers, your prayer life suffers. James turns back to the practical again, but he is still encouraging us to reject the pattern of unrighteousness, a.k.a. resist God and submit to the devil. Look at verse 9. He says, Go ahead, be miserable, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. All those fleshly things that you suppose are of any value, that you lean on for happiness, let them all be turned sour. Because I don't want you to be encouraged by those things. That's what Satan wants you to be encouraged by. See, if you play my game, good things will happen. Wrong. It's all a counterfeit. God says, let that stuff turn sour in your life. Let all those foul relationships with those foul, unregenerate people who could care less about your Lord and Savior, let even that stuff turn sour, because if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. That is a big lesson a lot of people need to learn, and a lot of so-called Christians won't heed to their own demise. Finally, he drives a key point home. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. He will raise you up. He will prop you up. He will give you everything that you need. His grace is sufficient. He will do everything He is able to do in your life which is omnipotent. He is able. You are not. We just learned that. You are not able to resist even. You can't even turn around. I've taught you that when I taught you salvation proper. Even repentance is a gift from God. You don't have the strength. Everything is from Him. As soon as you think you have the ability to do these things, you know what? You're back in the flesh taking a little credit for yourself. I don't know why I did that. It's probably this way, huh? I don't know what this is. Dandruff? (laughs) I can't reach that far. I'm so jacked. (laughs) It's not that funny, DJ. Stop it. Humility remains open to truth. Our job is to resist closing the shades on the light of truth. Let's pick up this last reference. Go to 1 Peter 5 6. 1 Peter 5 6. <clears throat> Again, more practical things to think about. 1 Peter 5 6. Therefore, now it's funny because how humbled was Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Oh, what a humbling experience that was, right? I always think it's funny. You know, like the Bible says, not many wise, not many noble, blah, blah, blah. Well, he does that. Guys that stand behind pulpits, guys that write, guys that wrote, and I'm not comparing myself to an apostle, but you know what I'm saying. Guys that actually put forth to communicate the word of God. Yeah, we're the ones who uh, have been humbled. (laughs) We're the ones who have been punched about a thousand times, knocked down. Most of us are arrogant in ways you don't even want to know. But we've since been humbled. And so we've kind of been there and done that. And that's why we're able to communicate clearly on the subjects. 1 Peter 5, 6. Peter being case in point. I mean, get behind me, Satan. Ow! You're going to deny me three times? Oh, No way! I would never... Therefore, humble yourselves. So Peter's teaching us about humility in another chapter, nonetheless. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour here we go again. But what? What's the pattern? Resist them. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And this is one of the, one of the hallmarks of knowing that you are saved, okay? The fact that you can pass any test in any way, shape, or form is proof of your ability to resist it proof of your ability to be sanctified by God. I hope that made sense. You can't do these things, in other words, if it weren't for the grace of God. You wouldn't be able to resist. You wouldn't be able to stand firm in your faith. Again, resist Him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know what that sounds like to me? One big, fat promise. Any questions? If God's not a liar, and his apostle, his chosen apostle, wrote verse 10, I don't know what else to say to you, except, isn't this awesome? No, I mean, this is, this is like flat-out, clearly stated promise from God. When you suffer, I'm going to pull you through. When you suffer, I'm going to pull you through. But you've got to cast your anxieties on me. If you want to get through this sooner than later, you've got to cast your anxieties on me because I'm the one who cares about you. That flesh, that sin nature, and everybody else's flesh and sin nature, they don't care about you. It's just, they're just trying to take advantage of you. You're a pawn in their schemes. The devil doesn't care about you. That's why it says resist the devil. Be aware of his schemes. He's going to devour you if you let him. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, the point we've built up on the board here is humility remains open to truth. Our job is to resist closing the shades on the light of truth. I love this morning's message because it is particularly chock full of Holy Scripture. It reminds me of the blog. A lot of Scripture already. And the beautiful thing about the Word of God is that when read in complete humility, its purpose, meaning, And effects are inescapable. If you just read, this is why, there's nothing I can say, you know, just read it. And if you read it with a humble heart, the truth is inescapable. You may not like it, it may, you know, put your neck, so to speak, on the chopping block, um, but it's inescapable. What about your motives? Can you actually escape being honest about your motives if you take the time and you're humble? You say, hey, yeah, what about my motives? What am I praying for? Am I praying for a continuation of dysfunction in my life or in the lives of my family members or my friends? What is it that I'm praying for? What is it I'm asking prayer for? Am I asking for deliverance or am I asking for specific relief so that this person is still not yet delivered from their folly? What am I praying for? What are we celebrating? That's my favorite. I haven't heard that one in a while, right? What are you celebrating? Seriously, everybody wants to celebrate everything. It's usually the human celebration where it says, what are you celebrating? (laughs) And the truth is inescapable. Why are you so partial? That's another one that's been coming up even in my own life. I look around and people are still horrifically partial not my kid, horrifically partial, I mean not even close, not my kid, not my, whoever you, you can pick it, usually people tend to be the most, in my personal experience, the most partial with family and especially with children, not my kid, yes your kid. Why are you praying for that way, for your kid? Don't you want your kid ultimately to be delivered? Don't you, don't you believe in God's promises about pain and suffering? That a father that loves his child disciplines them? Don't you believe those things? Well, what are you praying for? Why are you, still play, why are you still praying in the flesh? Don't you want that person that you supposedly care so much about to be actually delivered? Don't you want that for them? Or do you want to just pray for relief because you can't take the agony that they put themselves in every single time. Which one is it? The truth is inescapable. You want one or the other. The new creature says, I want my kid or my parent or my brother or my friend, uh, I want them to be delivered. That's what the new creature says. That's what Holy Scripture says. The flesh says, Oh, I just can't take it. Just take take away all the screaming. Take away all the tantrums. Take away all the, the horrific texts that I get and the phone calls and the moaning and groaning. and <laughs> Just take that away. Well, that's weakness. I hate to say it, but that's weak. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying that's how weak we are. We don't even pray right because we pray in weakness. We pray in the flesh. We don't pray. Case in point, get behind me, Satan. What did, what did Peter want? He didn't want Jesus Christ to get uh, hacked on. It wasn't like his, quote, heart was bad, right? He thought he was doing the right thing. Jesus Christ had to go, wake up. Wake up. This is not about you, Peter. Stop being self-absorbed. Stop being self-centered. This isn't even the worst of it. I'm going to be hanging on a cross shortly. Yeah. This isn't about you. But, see, we're trained in this world. Everything's about us. Everything is about us. And I think I'm convinced of it. That's where all the depression comes in. It's because then the world tells you... (laughs) It's filled with a bunch of other people that think the same thing about themselves. And nobody's living for each other. And so all of a sudden you realize you're just an island. And you're horrifically lonely. You have people around you even. You know, what's going on? You say, how the hell did I end up here? I'm lonely. I got no real connections. People need connection. People need relationships. Starting with Christ. That's how it happens. We tell all these young kids, be an island, be an island. Oh, here's a cell phone when you're three years old. Work on that for a little while so that you can cultivate being an island. So by the time you're 40 years old, you're a dysfunctional moron. And then you wonder why you're on pills for depression. I'm not picking on anybody. You wonder why that happens. Say thank you to your parents, your teachers, American culture. Because they all lied to you. They told you, oh yeah, you're, 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 you're going to be a big star someday. You keep working on that self-esteem. You keep working on how to be a a big man or a, a powerful woman, if you're a feminist, you know, powerful woman. You keep working on all these things that are completely antagonistic to the Word of God. You don't need relationships. The only thing you need relationships for is so you can manipulate people. Oh, This would be a good relationship right here. You know there are people who go into churches, right, for business sake. Oh, this would be a good business opportunity. I'm going to the biggest church possible. Start selling my insurance policies. Or I'm, I'm a contractor. I'm, I'm running low on, on bids. need some more bids. Those aren't real relationships. Those are people that are, that are out to abuse people who smile at you. They're just using you. And then that's the point. You're all playing that game, and at the end of the day, you're depressed about it. Because it doesn't pay off. Hey, these are the inescapable truths. This is what's in the Word of God. We're supposed to be living for others. Jesus Christ says, more blessed to give than to receive, right? Paul wrote, Esteem others more highly than yourselves. Jesus Christ said, Love God, love your brothers and sisters. That's the fulfillment of the law. To love one another. I'm too in love with myself, though, you see. Well, that's why you're miserable. That's why you can't cope with life. Because at the end of the day, it's always been about you. Always. I feel bad for the millennials. Are you too? Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. They're a bunch of slaves, a bunch of islands, no relationships whatsoever. They're all depressed. They're all confused, they're all bipolar, they're all this, this you pick your disorder. They're all ADD, HDHD, uh, HPPPD, HDPD, zippity-doo-dah-dee, they are all these things. Let's just go to Disney World, woo, no offense you two. I know you just get back, right? Let's just let's mask it all with, with, with craft beer in Disney World. Oh my God, I'm picking on you guys so bad. <laughs> I'm not meaning to do that, right? But a little bit. No, you know, because these millennials, right? I feel bad for these kids. It's horrible. We lied to them. But what's worse? What would have avoided that situation if people brought their kids up in the faith? If people brought their children up in the truth, they wouldn't suffer the way they suffer. They would lean on Christ. Their self-esteem would be in Christ. They wouldn't have a chip on their shoulder. They wouldn't be devouring each other. They wouldn't be forming new relationships for the sake of themselves. The beautiful thing about the Word of God is that when read in complete humility, its purpose, meaning, and effects are inescapable. Up here on the board, the truth is inescapable. While an arrogant person kicks against the net, further entangling themselves in their own misery. A humble person, I should say a humble person. A humble person embraces inescapable truths as a part of their living hope. Just shine the light on me. I I know that some of this is gonna be painful. I know that it's gonna cleave a part of me away. I know that I might have to cleave relationships. I may have to reorganize my thinking about relationships in general. Maybe I need to hold off on this kind of relationship or that kind of relationship until I got my together, Till I actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what I should be focusing on. That's the truth. See, uh, an arrogant person does not want to hear this kind of a message. We arri- we, again, we arrive at this, the key to the spiritual life. There you go. God gives grace to who? The humble. You want to be delivered? Be humble. Pray in the Spirit at all times, not in the flesh. Submit to God. Resist the devil, not vice versa. Humility always begins with a simple admission. This came to us on Thursday evening up here on the board. I'm not capable. That's it. I'm not capable. Give it up. You are not capable of delivering yourself. I need God's help. I need my Savior. That's who I need right now. And every single day. I'm not capable of doing this thing. Anybody ever said that to themselves? Yeah, only three of us. Okay, it's good. We must be the weak ones. I'm not capable. As soon as, you turn, as soon as you say, I'm a little capable, you've already ruined it. You've already stained it. You've already set yourself in a half a two, three ticks in the wrong direction. If you know anything about vectors, you know the longer you go, the further away from your end goal you end up being. All of it has to be towards Christ. I'm not capable. I need God's help. I need my Savior. Up here on the board, James 4.10 said, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. I've got to pick a spot here. Let's keep going a little bit. At times, we might think that we are, oh, I don't know, sacrificing fleshly things for God. Some of you have probably already thought about that this morning. What what is it in my life that I'm clinging to? What kind of relationships do I need to rethink? Am I partial? Do I give my family a pass on things, even though I know better? Do I give myself a pass on things, even though I know better? What am I going to have to, quote, unquote, sacrifice, because from the flesh's perspective, these are real sacrifices, right? They're giving up a hold in your life. We get confused. We might think that we are, quote, sacrificing things for God, um, and there's some truth to that. But the Lord God has given us specific guidance on so-called sacrifices. Go to Psalm 51:17. Psalm 51:17. This is an old friend from when I taught the Gospel Reload 51.17 You want to sacrifice? You want to make a good sacrifice to God? Here we go. Ready? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. There you go. You want to suppose you're sacrificing anything? There you go. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So what is a broken and contrite heart? I think we could get pretty wild in our speculations here, so we must be very careful to observe the context of the passage first. We don't have the time to to dive in completely, but suffice to say that Old Testament sacrifices were in view along with the primary cause for this particular chapter, which was repentance. Remember, God sees the heart. David, the writer, was broken deep down inside, hurting over his sins against the Lord. Remember, he's the one that God said was after his own heart. So this is good. A contrite heart, a brokenness about sin, about sinfulness in your own life, about, oh, I don't know, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, even self-esteem instead of Christ-esteem, to make a distinction there. Anything that begins with self-dash something else, we have to be very, very leery of. David was broken deep down inside, hurting over his his sins against the Lord. Remember, he's the guy who said against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That was verse 4 of this chapter. Again, the question on the table is, what is a broken and contrite heart? The answer, very simply, a humble heart. That's it. A humble one. A humble one does a lot of things. God gives grace to the humble. That's beautiful. A humble heart is afforded repentance. A humble heart is afforded the benefits of confessing sin. A humble heart is sanctified. A humble heart depends on... God for deliverance. A humble heart says that God, you exalt me. I've run out of ways, or the ways that I've been trying to exalt myself, they're not working. I'm going to have to sacrifice those things. Quote unquote. That's what a contrite heart looks like. That's what a broken heart looks like. It's humble. It's that simple. It's humble. Hence the point on the board, up here, on the board, I'm not capable. That's what a humble heart looks like. I need God's help. I need my Savior. And he says in James 4.10, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. As we've learned in the past, one of the outstanding features of the human flesh, I think this is well, end. one of the outstanding features of the human flesh is self-assertion. Self-assertion. I said anything that begins with self-dash is dangerous ground. Self-assertion. In other words, independence from God. I don't, I'm capable. I don't need God's help. And I don't need a Savior. Or if you're a believer, I don't need my Savior right now. Oh, Oh. You always need your Savior. You always need your Savior. We, those little pockets we keep for ourselves of doing good for ourselves. Hey, look what I did. <laughs> oh, this is why I do this. Same thing, I just didn't do it right. Nobody's, you know, I did this little thing. <laughs> Maybe I don't do it all. Maybe God still has the full load, but you know, I'm in there a little bit. I did something. People will even do that and you'll get trapped in that that great trap where maybe someone calls you for a little advice and it's they're looking for godly advice and you give them godly advice and they're like, "You're the best." And you go, "I kind of am." Maybe I should be a pastor. I'm not saying it passes the best. You know what I'm saying? I gave them that scripture, and it was like spot on. I'm a pretty fabulous, swell guy. We take credit. You understand what I'm saying? All credit goes to God. If you're not capable of delivering yourself, what makes you think you're capable of delivering someone else? You can't even even deliver yourself. That's why ladies don't ever look for a savior. Some dude tries to sweep you off your feet. I don't know who the hell I'm talking to in here. (laughs) Don't go for the Superman routine. They don't exist. Superman's not real. (gasps) Men, don't expect some lady to prop you up like mummy. Self-assertion. Independence from God. To admit something like the principle on the board is like falling on a sword to the flesh. Admitting this is like falling on a sword to the flesh. Well, a broken and contrite heart is willing to do just that to kill the flesh. You might have that mantra Death be to the flesh! This thing needs to be killed. Paul said, who's going to free me from this thing, this body of death? Who's going to free me from this thing? That should be your thing. Your your desire is to be home with the Lord, right? Like Paul said, I just want to be home. But whatever you choose, whether here or there, I just want to be pleasing to you. I want. That's what a humble heart looks like. A broken and contrite heart is willing to do just that, fall on the sword to kill the flesh. And I'll give you this one last scripture. Colossians 3, five. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while, right guys? Oh yeah, let's do the Lord's Supper first. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, on there, and let's, uh, let's get the Lord's Supper going. I have a video to show you, that's why. Thank you, DJ. Jesus Christ um, nailed sin to the cross and as Holy Scripture says we are crucified with Him which means that our flesh our own sin is to be put down frankly put away, put behind us and we're to have full and glorious confidence and an abiding hope a living hope that we have been saved and to the lord jesus christ we have to thank with that said for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in remembrance of the person of jesus christ let's eat the bread In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the cup in remembrance of his work. Guys, I'm going to close in prayer. We'll show the video after. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. So much for this time to fellowship with you. Thank you specifically for encouraging us, Father, for always reminding us that the only reason there's any doubt in our lives is because of the flesh, because of the very presence and power of sin in this world. Father, teach us, encourage us, enable us to resist the devil. Teach us likewise to submit to your will. Father, remain and keep us. May we remain and you keep us humble, Father, throughout all of this, for we know that you give grace to those with said humility. Father, we're just so grateful for all that you've accomplished in our souls this morning. We ask for your blessings as we take these things out to a world that's decaying. Father, We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.